Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. So I've had a few people say that they're interested in hearing about my story. So I had another sit down with my mom and we're going to talk you through one of a, a more important summer's years of my life where I had a pretty major surgery and reconstruction done. And originally it was only going to be maybe two episodes, two longer episodes, but when I sat down to edit, I just realized how much there was to pack into each episode and for you to really let it sink in everything that I went through, I thought it would be better to cut it up into shorter bits. So this first episode was actually, or the next couple of episodes was actually one sit down with my mom and I've turned them into three mini episodes. So here's the first one. really just talked about what it was like when I was first born and the first couple of years in depth is what we talked about and then we kind of just glazed over I was a kid with medical stuff <laughs> that was kind of it so this time we're talking more in depth about some of the bigger surgeries that I had because it wasn't like it was just I was born to something and that first surgery fixed it. Right. So when I was 11, Dr. Mitchell had proposed a surgery that he had created. What, what was that surgery? I was so afraid you're going to ask me that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to back it up a, a little bit as to why we needed to do this surgery again. Yes. Um, This surgery was, so let's see, in 92 is when you were closed and you had your first surgery. And then we went and saw Dr. Mitchell and that was in 94. And that was when he did the ureter reimplant. So he took some little ureters and put them back at the the top, but your bladder keeps growing as you, as an, as, as you grow, as your body grows, the bladder grows as well. And it doesn't grow into this perfect little shape that, you know, the way it was supposed to, as most other people it develops in yours is doing this weird little misshape. And I've got my own idea of where I want to grow as you put. It's like a little moving amoeba. (laughs) Exactly. So it's not, you know, it's not growing so that the ureters are staying at the top is the point. They're kind of, they're kind of moving around a little bit. It's, it's misshapen. You are getting, you're getting UTIs pretty, pretty regularly. You're, you're leaking. That was a big, that was a big one. You're still leaking. We couldn't, you know, it's not like you, you know, I had previously said you had periods of dryness and you, and you did, and you didn't leak as long as you went to the bathroom on a clock. Yeah. You even had that cute little Winnie the Pooh, you know, watch They had the little alarm that you were supposed to take yourself to the bathroom and your teachers knew you were allowed to get up and go and you wouldn't <laughs> go. Instead, you would wait too long and then you'd go to the bathroom and change your clothes. 
so, or you'd tie your sweatshirt. I, I just remember pulling up to the school and your sweatshirt was always tied around your waist. And it was like, Dean, blast it. She's wet again. So, so anyway, and you, and you were having um, UTIs pretty, pretty regularly. Oh gosh. I want to say, you know, for like three, three years, you were doing a lot of, a, a lot of bladder infections a lot of antibiotics. And- yeah. And we actually went in for, and I'm trying to remember what we were going to do. We were going to do some sort of simple little surgery in December of O2 that was going to, and I can't remember what it was because he backed out of it and called us into the, you know, the little surgery consult room and said, she's not set up the way I thought she was. Mm. And you needed to be, um, you needed a complete bladder neck repair. They, they needed to do a reconstruction of it um, because your urethra, you know, you have that little muscle at the bottom of the bladder and you're, when you were closed, they just kind of closed you. They didn't put the urethra in the middle. So you were kind of clamping down only from one side. So you just sort of didn't have, as far as I can remember, I'm getting this all wrong, but the muscle wasn't on both all the way around that urethra to clamp down. So basically you were kind of doing a kegel to hold your pee in. And that's why you wet so much at night when you relaxed, you know, everything went. So anyway, we backed out of that surgery and he's like, this is going to be a much bigger surgery and it's going to have to be in the summer and it's going to be a week in the hospital. And I think he said three to four weeks, you know, I can't leave Seattle. Right. You know, and we didn't live there. So this was going to be an issue. Cause that's, that's an expensive uh, hotel bill to like, just hang out in Seattle yeah. <laughs> for three weeks. So, yeah. So we had to, you know, kind of wrap our brains around this whole thing, but um, at the same time, sorry, just a quick interrupt. In addition to the expensive part, it's not like where now we have zoom. It's where you can train your clients from afar. This is also a week of spending money or sorry, a month of spending money that you're also losing your income for as well. Right. I'm completely out of work. Exactly. And, and I can't really do it by myself. So you're talking about, you know, finding your, your aunt, you know, other people to, to come up and, and help me during this time. And uh, so in addition to that, he also wanted to take advantage of you being opened up and because we couldn't cath you it just didn't seem to work. You had a lot of scar tissue through there. It wasn't smooth. Nobody had been able to calf you. Every time we did anything, we had to put you out. And so this, and, uh, and kind of go in through your stomach, you have that little spot on your stomach and that's where he always went in through the same spot. So you didn't have multiple spots. You just had your one little spot. Yeah. Um, but every time that he did that, it also is continually weakening the bladder wall. Every yeah. Time. I remember him yeah. saying that. He didn't like doing it that way, but that was what he was stuck with. So he wanted to do what's called a metrophenoff. And that was to take your appendix and make a channel from your belly button down to the bladder so that you could cath yourself that way. And you actually use a male catheter and you feed that in through your belly button. And so the idea was that you would try to void completely. And then we would do the catheter to make sure it was really empty and see how much was residual ending up that you weren't able to express naturally. So that was the idea of the surgery was those two things. And, um, it wasn't going to be fun <laughs> for, you know, for people who like to you know, vacation during the summer trip, you know, but 
during summer or something like that. You know, our, our vacations were in Seattle, you know, and we were there, you know, in December, we were there a lot in December and um, a lot there in her drive with the blankets. Exactly. I tried to make it fun. We tried, we, we tried to make it fun and we even tried to make it fun this time. Yeah. So there you go. That was what you were going to have done. Boom. There's your July. That's a lot. Yeah. It was, a, it was a lot to take in. It was a lot to process. It was. Yeah. The house. How, how am I going to pull down a month in Seattle? Yeah. And, and at this time I should say, you know, you had an aunt that was living in Seattle and she had since moved. So it really was hotels. That's why we kept staying at silver cloud is because the one aunt had left Seattle. Yeah. So that is a lot to take in. How did you handle that at, at the time? Well, your aunt Jean was with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, started to figure out how I was going to make it happen. You know I mean? Luckily we had a, uh, we did have a timeshare. So I figured, you know, it was one week in the hospital. We had to actually be in a hotel at the same time because obviously I'm not staying in the hospital. I stayed in the hospital with you, but um, we had both, we had, we had both. And then the week after we were pretty much, you know, at also at silver cloud. And, and then we switched and we stayed at two different ones that our timeshare worked with. So that's how I pieced the rest of that together was we stayed at, uh, at the Vance and no, we just stayed there. We just stayed at the silver cloud and the Vance. It was when we came back, we stayed at the other one. So it was just, so I split the time halfway at the silver cloud, which we paid for and half with Vance, which was through our timeshare exchange. Yeah, Vance was through the timeshare. That's yeah. lucky. You got to tell me. Yep. <laughs> I also meant though, um, emotionally how did you handle processing like at the time did you just ignore and just do was that kind of the process like okay this has to happen so this is what we're doing yeah yeah I mean there's yes bottom line it 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 has to happen It, it all made sense you know when you were when you were closed they were expecting you to cath the rest of your life. So right. they really weren't paying attention to how they closed you. And, and then the surgery that we avoided that they were going to do was just to widen the opening. So you would leak even more. And that's when we switched. No, it didn't make any sense at all. Well, it did. If you were going to end up just putting you on a catheter the rest of your life, that's, that's, that was just their sole focus. I didn't realize that that's what would have happened. If, the, if that was um, cathing, I didn't realize that the process of that surgery was just essentially to widen it. Yeah. And there was no reason not to widen it because she's going to be on a catheter anyway, when they were going to wait till you were about five to do that, when you'd be able to do it yourself. So that was why we were like, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're out of here. Um, but everything that he suggested, your Dr. Mitchell suggested everything that he showed us because he was very open with this is this is what's going on. And I'm not stupid. You know, I can follow it. It made logical, complete sense. Yeah. With what I was seeing with you, everything made sense. You do two plus two is four, you know, Yeah. and every, everything he was just, it just made sense. So yeah, emotionally. Yeah. No, this, um, he did make it clear. It wasn't really going to be a party trip for you you know, this wasn't, this wasn't going to be fun. You know, they were opening up a lot of areas. There was going to be a tube coming out as you like to call it. I'll just use that word 
coming out the wazoo. You also had a, you were going to have a tube coming out your belly button. To be there. fair, I use the wazoo word because that's what you and Angene called it when I was oh. little. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got that from you. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, you were going to have tubes coming out all over places and, and they were, it wasn't going to be fun. Yeah. So it was, it, you know, how to prepare an 11 year old for that. You, you can't really. Yeah, um, I don't you know, really I remember think, us doing a whole lot of prep work for it. No, there really was Maybe I just don't remember. Yeah, I mean, we talked about what was going to happen, you know, and then what he was going to do. I think you had utter faith in him also, which really helps. Um, <laughs> and we had so little faith in any other doctor we were encountering at this time that, you know, he really was uh, a lifeline. I mean, your pediatrician at the time had, gosh, he had retired. Yeah, your pediatrician had retired and you had your new pediatrician and she was sort of useless. And so really we were just winging it and going to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having complete faith in him too. I mean, he walked into a room and he just had that energy that kind of calmed you like, okay, you know what we're going to do? You're going to fix it. you used to say a lot of times it was like you know it was like grandpa you know I mean he was he was definitely an older gentleman he was very calm he was very sensible he was very kind he talked to you Mm. when you when you when you were in the appointment he talked to you first always and answered any of your questions and then said mom do you have any questions you know so, you know, I, I don't think we actually talked about it a whole, I really don't remember talking to you about it a whole lot other than, you know, we're going to have a catheter through the belly button. Won't that be fun? You know, woohoo. <laughs> I really don't remember. Is it really going to be fun? <laughs> probably, probably not. No. How the hell are we going to pull this off? Have you seen Jane and me try to do anything <laughs> coordinated? So yeah, I, I don't remember other than trying to financially and logistically put it together. I remember losing sleep over that. I don't remember losing sleep over the fact the surgery was going to happen. It was more of a, how yeah. am I going to pull this off? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess let's just walk through that first day then. The day of the surgery. No, the day of the surgery. Okay. Uh, so the day yeah. of the surgery. Yeah. We were staying at the, so we checked into the silver cloud, which was our favorite. I'll just keep plugging them. They should like be a supporter or sponsor of your show. Um, <laughs> they are the bomb. Anybody who goes to Seattle should stay at silver cloud. Especially so if you're with a kid who needs to go to Seattle children's because they yeah. were really good about whenever I was sick or just anything, they, their hospitality for sick kids was. I don't know where they found the people to work the front desk and all of that, but they were just wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, we, we checked in there and you know, I, I, it was you and your stepdad and me, Mike was with us. We had to get up at five fifteen in the morning to get to the hospital by six and the waiting room was already full. I remember getting there at 6am and the waiting room was full. It was like, Oh, Oh crap. You know, because I, and I just have to put this out there. I also fast with you. So if you don't eat, I don't eat. And there's no coffee. So we're all in the waiting room and it went on and on and on. And finally, it wasn't until 930 that you got called in for surgery. And 
you know, that, that was, that was a pretty long time. That is a long time. That's four and a half hours. Yeah. So you did start getting a little agitated at that point. You were, you were starting to get a little, a little nervous and a little edgy and, you know, all your other surgeries, I don't want to say all your other surgeries, but yeah, all your other surgeries, you know, we, we would get there, you were younger and they take the younger kids first. So, which I didn't realize, which makes sense. So they were taking the younger kids first, so they didn't have to wait as long. So the older you got, the farther back we were on that, on that list for getting oh. back there. So anyway, yeah. So, so we got, you know, we got called back there and, um, you know, you always get to, be put out before they put the IV in because um, somebody, I'll just say it was a little prima donna and would throw a total hissy fit if anybody tried to put a needle in her arm or anything like that. I recall uh, no such thing. Thank you very much. Yeah, total <laughs> meltdowns is what would happen. So, you know, Dr. Mitchell, a lot of people have a problem with putting them out first and then doing the IV. They're like, if something goes wrong while we're putting them out, we want that IV already in. And Dr. Mitchell was like, just keep the kid happy and, you know, calm and put them out first. What's the big deal? Yeah. So, yeah. But um, this time we got, we got an esthetician or esthetician, anesthesiologist. (laughs) Nice to have an esthetician. They should offer that at the hospital too, at the same time. I've always thought that, but anyway, an anesthesiologist came in. And they really, really tried to talk you into putting the IV in first. And they really, really upset you. So you were very, very agitated and you, and you got your way. I just have to say, they got <laughs> your way, they put you out. Um, and then, and then they, t- and they, and they let me like stay. We both stayed with you until you were completely out because you were really distraught. And, and you had your little, your little cat stuffed animal with you on the operating, the little bed with you. Which I think we have to say here, I had this little calico cat stuffed animal and we named him Mitch after Dr. Mitchell. Yes, you named him Mitch. I yes. did. And he went everywhere with you. So he was, he was right, right there with you. And, and then they, then they took you away. So. How long was the surgery? Oh crap. I knew you were going to ask me that too. Um, it was a long time, you know, and I, I, I'm not sure how long it was. It seemed like a long time. Your very first surgery, I can tell you, boom, five hours. It was a five hour surgery. This one, I can't remember it. I, I think, I don't know. It, it really seemed like a long time. And then, you know, they, they brought you, they brought you to the, they took us to the room and then they brought you in and, and you were really out of it. Was that so that right? I was just gonna say, is that so that when I woke up, you would already be there? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, you were um, you were a little more. It was a big surgery. <laughs> you know, I think I was I was a little unprepared. I think I was un, I was unprepared for what you were gonna look like. The logical hadn't had the emotional meet up yeah yeah you know I I I go in waves waves of it you know um I think I was on coping with it mode all the way to where they took you and then I'm on coping with it mode while you're in there and and then they then they brought you out and it was like oh they really hurt my baby (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you were, you were hurting and even, you know, you could tell even when you were asleep that you were, you were yeah. hurting. Yeah. This, this, this was a big one. Do you remember how long it took me to wake up after they brought me in? Um, you know, you were in and out, you kind of, you kind of phased in and out. And, you know, obviously I stayed with you that I, I stayed with you every night. You were, you were in and out. Uh, the room was not a private room or even a double room. It was a room with four people in it. So that was really awkward. And I can't even explain to you how close I was to the door to the room. I swear I was in the doorway, but there was kind of, yeah, there was like kind of a reclining sort of chair that I, that was my bed. And it was right next to the door where everybody went out and in. And on the other side was your hospital bed. And we were smushed, I mean, we were smushed together. But on the other hand, I could hold on to you all night. So I had my hand on you all night. So when you would wake up or whimper or just, you know, need me, you know, I was there. Yeah. You know, even, even if it was just rubbing your hand or something like that. But the, the room itself was extremely noisy. So you had four, four kids that were recovering from surgery, major surgeries, it seemed like. And everybody's just divided by a curtain. Yeah. And there was one bathroom, if I remember correctly. There was one bathroom. All of us. Yeah. And that yeah, was we, on the other side. Everybody walked by us that needed to use the bathroom. Now, most of these kids had some sort of surgery similar to yours. So they weren't really getting up and going to the bathroom. Yeah. I think there was only one person that was actually getting up and going to the bathroom. The, uh, the other ones were just in bed. But yeah. they, some of them seemed like they had a lot of family with them. Oh yeah. I remember that. They watched a lot of TV too. There was a lot of TV. There was a lot of interesting smells in the room. Yep. We'll leave it at that. There were, there was one girl who, yeah, she was definitely had some sort of emotional um, inability to control the emotions. And there was a lot of crying, unnatural crying and whining we'll say and it it was odd crying it wasn't necessarily from pain it was just from just whatever emotional stress whatever trigger it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it wasn't like a you know a cozy relaxing um spa like room where you would have your esthetician with you yeah <laughs> not not exactly a relaxation for recovery no 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 so it it was it was a, a it was definitely a, a rough room to be in we got out first. All those girls were there when I got there that night when I was waiting for you. And those girls were there when we left. So I don't know what was going on with them, but and you it, were motivated to get out of there. Oh yeah, I was. Tell me if I'm remembering this wrong as well. I believe, so all of us had our individual TVs mm-hmm. and it wasn't yeah. my TV outside of the curtain. Yeah. Did that make sense or what? Yes. Yeah, so we had to have the curtain open in order to see your TV. <laughs> And the curtain opened and we could see the bathroom door. So everybody going in, the the TV was above that bathroom door. So if we had the curtain open, then yes, we were open to everybody in the room, everybody going in and out of the room and the bathroom door where people were parading by. Right. So we didn't watch the TV. We read. We read a lot. We read a lot. We How read much a lot. did we get through? I believe we read a few uh, Harry Potter books. Uh, yeah, we still <laughs> had Harry Potter books left when Jean got there. And this was just Mike and me tag teaming right now. So he read you Nancy Drews. 
So you, uh, he was the Nancy Drew and I was the Harry Potter. So we would take turns. Yeah, because he would, after the doctors and after all of that happened in the morning, because he would spend the night in the hotel, I would stay with you. And then he would come bring me coffee, thank God, real, <laughs> real, real coffee and a big one and um, would bring something for you, like a coloring book or crayons or so, even though you weren't really that functional, still bring you something. I and remember then, it being very exciting when he arrived with new things to look at. Yeah, he brought you something every day. And then he, we would, after the doctor's visits and when we were sure nobody was coming, then he would force me to get out and go to the hotel, have breakfast, take a nap, take a shower, um, which was very exciting. And then I could come back. And he was always just reading Nancy Drew with you for those hours that he was on deck. Yeah. So, and you would fall asleep. I mean, it's not like you were awake. You would, you know, he would read, you'd fall asleep. The minute you woke up, he'd start reading again. So it was just kind of keep, keep you going, but distracted from the pain. Yeah. And I remember you would bring like toner with you and, you know, my hairbrush and you would wash my face and brush my hair, braid it, get it out of the way. Anything to make me feel less like the sick kid on the bed, make me feel yeah. better than maybe I actually was doing. Yeah, we we used that. I loved that toner. We used that toner everywhere. I used the toner on your arms because you get that sticky, weird, stale hospital air layer on you. Yeah. So we would just toner your little arms and between your fingers and we toner your face, the back of your neck, and then just completely, you know, comb your hair two braids down the sides so that it was you know not getting messed up with the pillow in the bed and just try to make you feel human yeah so highly recommend toner and cotton balls in the purse is what you need to get through a hospital stay yeah and hair ties (laughs) and hair ties (laughs) i think one thing that i'm that we forgot to briefly mention that i think was worth noting was when I was in the hospital that those first few days after the surgery, my surgery happened on July 3rd. And so for- uh, it was the first first. Okay. So a couple days later was July 4th. Yeah. And we had been invited by all the nurses. They were going to have like a little area outside cleared out for all of the in hospital yeah. Okay, it's overnight. Overnighters would be able to go outside and see the fireworks. Yeah, they had there was some area of the hospital where the windows overlooked where you'd be able to see the fireworks happening and they they had a whole party set up up there. Yeah. And so we were going to go and I really wanted to go and that was I think I had some really bad bladder spasms that day. I think maybe that was your first bladder spasm experience there. And you just, and you were going to, you knew you were going to get out the next day. Cause I think we got out on the fifth. I think that was that last night and you didn't want to go. Yeah. And you know, we went to babe instead, the movie. We watched, yep. We watched the movie babe. Yep. So, and there, and there weren't as many people in your room that night because they were all watching the fireworks. So we could actually have the curtain open and watch the, watch the movie. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, what it was, whatever, just let you lead the way of, of kind of reading your, your energy level. Yeah. I think I just wanted to appreciate that the hospital as well was, you know, they tried. Oh yeah. 
you know, with all the kids and keeping the morale up with, I mean, even having a little party set up for us at all to be able to see the fireworks was. Yeah, they, they were really great. They, they really were. And I'm, and I'm going back to your first surgery too. They were just great. You know, they, they really were. Yeah. 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 I think I mentioned, I think I mentioned it that with your first surgery, you know, it's like, when they told you that you could say not now and that they would have to leave. So every time anybody walked into the hospital room, you'd be like, not now, not now, it's like <laughs> little, you know, two and a half year old, you know, um, it's like, at some point it's going to have to be a now, you know, you just can't keep sending them away, but they, they really, they really were very, very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really didn't run into, I'll have to go back and read everything that you wrote, but I don't think we really had a bad nurse there. I think maybe in this next segment of your life we did, but for the most part, this, this one, I, I only remember the bag overflowing and me getting a little bit pissy about that, but you were uncomfortable. So yeah. it was warranted, but they were busy. Yeah. I get that too. So. And I think, I think we missed one other short little story, which I, I think is just, cute and kind of funny and maybe a, a good one to maybe end on just because it's not a bad story. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember, I think I was asleep and they came in to check on my vitals and I moved my arm away from the nurse and then said, I'm sorry, and put my arm back so she could check my vitals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't, I think their treatment of you was, I mean, other than with the pain people and the nurse that hit the button who felt your wrath, um, you were very, very polite. You, you really did try to, that comes more into play in, in the next one, but you, you were really were very polite and you tried to do everything right. You, you tried, you know, again, like, tell me what I got to do to get out of here and I'm going to do it. You know, I mean, you were very task oriented and you were trying to be helpful and yeah, same thing. It's like apologizing for moving your arm away while they're doing something, you know, you, you were, you were well behaved. Except for when they hit the pain button. Except when they hit the pain button or they try to inflict pain on you. Yeah. Or put an IV in God forbid. Um, but other than that, you were pretty polite. So that goes a long way. Being nice people goes a long way. Yeah. Oh, it really does. Yeah. There's your life lesson. Being nice to people goes a long way. I mean, as someone who's worked in three different customer service type jobs, I can tell you, it really does go a long way. More inclined to help you if you're nice to me instead of yelling. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there you go. That was the first installment of my first long chat with my mom about this big life event it happened to me when I was 11. I hope uh, it's what you've all been waiting for to find out and hear about. I know I, I have a lot of close friends who are curious about what that major surgery was. And I know I didn't really know exactly how everything had been rearranged, so having my mom explain it and go through some of the old documents was really helpful, 
And I, I just hope you found this episode informative. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please leave me a review either on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts at. If you want to help keep this podcast going, you know, consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. If you're interested in sharing your own story or if you have a question about my story that I can, you know, create an, ep- an episode about or talk about, feel free to reach out to me. My contact info is all on my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com. And uh, you can always join me on social media. 